Hi, you guys. Welcome to our True Crime Podcast, where we're going to focus mostly on San Diego cases. I'm Renette. And I'm Marina. Today, I'm going to be speaking about Betty Broderick, a.k.a. Angry Betty. Betty Broderick uh, was born Elizabeth Ann Biseglia. I mm-hmm. don't really know how to pronounce her name. Biseglia. <laughs> she was born on November 7th, 1947 in Brooklyn, New York. Okay. So Betty is the third of six children. She was raised by very strict, devout Roman Catholic parents. She was basically trained to be a housewife at a very young age. She, quote, says, the best way to live a life is to go to Catholic schools. Be careful with dating until you find a Catholic man. Support him while he works. Be blessed in your later years with beautiful grandchildren. Sounds awful. (laughs) Sounds eerie. (laughs) Terrible. Uh, That's what she wanted to do. She wanted to just be a housewife and be devout to her her husband, have the gender roles very, very specific. Mm -hmm. She graduated with a degree in early childhood education in the College of Mount St. Vincent in New York City. Betty met Daniel in 1965 at a party of uh, the University of Notre Dame. That's where Daniel was going to school. And so they could party even though they were Catholics. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> she actually uh, went on a road trip with her friend and they went to football games and they would go to parties, universities, and try to find their future husbands. Okay. And that's where she met Daniel Broderick. When Daniel saw Betty, he said that she was the most beautiful woman he'd ever seen. Aww. He slipped her a little napkin that said, Daniel Broderick, MDA, which stood for medical doctor almost. <laughs> Oh my god, okay. So, so cringe as fuck. I don't know what the fuck. If I got that, I would be like, uh, no I thanks. think I would have been like, hi, hello, I'm oh, Renette. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I would have been like, I have to go home now. <laughs> but um, four years later, April 12, 1969, they got married at the Immaculate Conception Church in Tuckahoe, New York. They got pregnant on the honeymoon. They had five children in total. They had two daughters, two sons. The third was also a son, but he died a few days after being born. Yeah, so that was sad. Then Daniel completed his medical degree, um, but then he decided to also pursue his JD, which stands for Juris Doctor Degree. What is that? So it's a doctor of law. Oh, okay. Yeah, and he went to the Harvard School of Law. While Daniel was going to Harvard, he was constantly at school, but he would also stay afterwards at bars and just stay with his colleagues and party while Betty was at home with the kids. And she basically was working a bunch of odd jobs supporting the family. Hell no. (laughs) I know. So I guess he kind of got to pick and choose what roles he was going to follow of like the Catholic religion. Yes. After he finished um, his law degree at Harvard, He then got accepted to a very prestigious law job in San Diego. And that's when they moved to La Jolla in 1973. Fancy. Super fancy. So they were living a pretty bougie lifestyle. Daniel was making up to $2 million a year. Wow. They were called the Leave it to Beaver family. They were looked at as SoCal socialites. They Mm -hmm. were constantly going to parties. They had nice cars, nice clothing, everything. At this point, Betty, you know, she didn't have to work odd jobs anymore. So she got to do what she always wanted, which is to be a housewife. Okay. She stayed home with the kids, took care of the house, and was basically like super mom. But behind the scenes of all this, of course, as we all know, nothing is ever perfect. Right. They were constantly arguing, fighting. There's um, interviews with their children later on 
during the trial where Kim, especially the oldest daughter, remembers the most that Betty would just create scenarios to pick at fights with Daniel. So they would get dressed up and plan to go out for the weekend or plan to go to a party or a work event. And right before heading out the door, she would just stop and say, you know what? I don't feel like going anymore. Oh, my God. I imagine how annoying that must how have been. How awful. Yeah. yeah. But not just arguing verbally. They were also very violent and physical with one another, um, throwing things at one another as well. In front of their five kids. Oh, and definitely in front of the kids. Oh, gosh. So, or four kids because oh, yeah, remember the fifth. Away. Mm-hmm. Right. And this was something that Betty was known for as well. And it, it's going to be coming up um, later on as I speak more and on the trial as well that she made sure the kids saw how dramatic and like Why eccentric would she even do that I don't understand I don't know it's she has a lot of crazy um, traits that later on a psychiatrist uh, points out that I'll list later but yeah she basically liked to put on a show okay and she like theatrical to be, yes very theatrical very dramatic some examples of the things that Betty would do she threw things at him like ketchup bottles. She threw a stereo system at him. Um, she threw, I think actually Daniel threw a glass aquarium at her. <laughs> oh my God. Like, where were the, were the fish in there? Uh, no, I think it was empty. <laughs> Poor fish. No, I think it was empty. It was just like something that Kim, especially the daughter, remembered. Also, another thing Betty would do was that she would lock Daniel out of the bedroom. And the movie that they made about her life and about this whole ordeal was called A Woman Scorned. They made two films out of it. And in the film, it shows Kim, the daughter, like handing her dad a pillow and a blanket, being like, Dad, she locked you out again. And God, yeah, which kids. it's so poor sad. husband. I know it's it's Betty I mean, just couldn't help herself. huh? No, she just wanted to have that attention and that yeah. and involve her kids in it, which is pretty crazy. As if things weren't already bad enough, things got much worse in 1982 when Daniel hired his new legal assistant, 21 year old Linda Kulkenna. She was very pretty. She was tall, thin, long blonde hair, basically looked like Betty when Daniel first met her. Ah, so Uh, the young Betty. Yep, the young, um, new and improved version, basically. Betty found out that Daniel had hired her, Linda, as his new personal assistant. Mm -hmm. She had known her because she was the receptionist of the main building, and she would call her like a bimbo and dumb. And she would argue with him saying, why would you hire her? She doesn't know anything about law. She had no law background. So yeah, that but was... that was Betty's insecurities. Like, yeah, I mean, she was right. But <laughs> yeah. in the end, but no, definitely she noticed how pretty she was and how much she made Daniel laugh and made him a little kind of like how they were when, as newlyweds. Yeah. At one of the parties that they went to for his work, she overheard Daniel speaking to his friend and saying how beautiful he thought uh, Linda was. So how old was Daniel when um, he brought in the 21-year-old? He was 38. Okay. Yeah. And she was very young. Um, she had no law background. She actually came from working as a flight attendant at the Delta Airlines. Okay. So this was about a year after he had hired Linda. Mm-hmm. Um, Betty started to really suspect 
that Daniel and her were having an affair. Okay. And she would ask him constantly, and he would just always deny, deny, deny. Mm-hmm. But she knew deep down something else was going on. Well, I think a woman usually has like this gut feeling, right? Yeah. As soon as something changes in their marriage. Probably making, maybe working out, eating healthier, yeah. wearing cologne, Exactly. <laughs> that was the thing, too, is that they were constantly just fighting at home. Their, their sex life wasn't that great. Uh-huh. And he started to buy newer, better cars, started to dress differently, uh-huh. like younger as well. And just yeah. taking care of himself more. And she was noticing, you know, oh, but he's not really doing that for me. It seems like she's, she's doing it for someone else. Okay. Uh, when Betty went to his office to surprise him for his birthday, she showed up with two champagne glasses um, and a bottle of champagne with roses and chocolates. But when she got there, he wasn't there. No one was in the office. Oh. And it was only uh, remnants of the birthday party that someone has thrown him because when she looked more closely, she noticed uh, two empty wine bottles, two empty glasses of wine, and like a half-eaten chocolate cake. Oh, no. (laughs) So when she went over to like the next office, she asked, what's going on? Where's Daniel? Um, Is he coming back at any point? And she said, oh, well, she he went out with uh, Linda for lunch. Wow. But it was already the end of the day. Yeah. So she was like, okay, that's weird. And she kind of sat there, waited all night for him, and he never returned. Oh, my God. So imagine feeling that. Yes. She went home after she realized that he wasn't going to arrive until super late. When he got back home, she had a pile of all of his clothes on the front lawn of their house. Oh, my gosh. She um, doused his clothes in lighter fluid and then lit them on fire. Oh, my God. <laughs> For the neighbors in Bougie, La Jolla. For everyone to see. To see. Oh, and the children were there to watch as oh well. Oh, my God. That is so awful. Like, you're supposed to hide that stuff from your kids. Yeah. She wanted to make everything over-the-top, extravagant, dramatic as much as she Jeez. could. So that was, like, the first... Real, real bad sign. I mean, throwing things at each other isn't good either, but that she was crazy. Like, she was going over the edge, for sure. Daniel continued to deny that he was having an affair with Linda. So, Mm -hmm. Of course, that's what he's going to do. Yeah. (laughs) And in the movie, um, it was a Lifetime movie. Did he watch the movie? Yes. Uh, (laughs) It was really good. (laughs) I have to watch it now. It's actually really good. It's available on um, Amazon Prime. Okay. And um, in the movie... Before she um, lights the clothes on fire, she goes, liar, liar, pants on fire. (laughs) I don't know if that happened in real life, but I thought that was pretty funny for the movie. I mean, obviously, Daniel wasn't an angel either. Um, Betty claims that he he would constantly call her old, fat, ugly, boring, and stupid. At that point, like get a divorce already yeah, right like exactly. just get a divorce but the thing is that since they were both so devout catholics, catholics they oh, they, right. they thought if they got divorced they would burn in hell or something i don't know i mean but when you're having an affair you're gonna exactly. burn in hell when you're setting clothes on fire and throwing things you're yeah. probably gonna burn in hell too i don't know where the line is with these yeah. people but whatever so at that point um things just got worse and worse dan moved out of the house in february of 1985 Okay. He went to go get his own house, his Mm -hmm. own mansion, because he could afford it. Yeah, of course. (laughs) Two million a year at that time. Yes. So Daniel left the kids with Betty, but um, Betty, in order to spite him, 
and unfortunately use her children for her own advantage, she would drop the kids off unannounced one by one with all of their things at his house. Oh my God. <laughs> but the worst part is that she, especially the oldest daughter remembers, she got left there knowing, Betty knowing that her father wasn't home. So she was out there waiting outside of the house for hours on Easter. And Betty did it on purpose to make God. Daniel feel bad about it, which doesn't really make sense. So shitty. <laughs> like you're doing that to your children. Yeah, like it's crazy. I could see you trying to get maybe payback to your soon-to-be ex-husband or whatever, but to like purposely put your children through mm-hmm. that stuff, that's so, so messed up. Yeah, she just always wanted to, she started using her kids as like little pawns. Yeah. And she thought that doing this um, would help Daniel realize that he needed Betty in his life and that she was going to get him back. But Daniel just used this to his advantage and he used it later on when he filed for divorce to take custody away from her of the kids. And he had full custody. Full custody. Okay. And because he is a lawyer as well, he had, he pulled all the strings and he made sure that she couldn't see the kids for a while. One of the main reasons why Daniel also wanted to take custody away from her is because um, as soon as she realized that he wasn't coming back to her, she broke into his house and she shattered the mirrors and she spray painted with black spray paint all over the walls of his what house. What did she say? Like, did she write It anything? was nothing specific. It was just scribbles all over the walls. Just and he's got to know that this is her and not just some random person breaking into his home and doing that. Of course, yes. Restraining order. I know. Yeah, exactly. So on uh, September 23rd, 1985, Daniel officially filed divorce after mm-hmm. 16 years of, ma- of marriage. When this happened, Betty broke into his home a couple more times. Oh, my God. <laughs> she One time she smeared a cake that Linda had made and left in the kitchen. She smeared it all over their bedroom bed and all over his clothes that is so scary coming home and knowing like if i was linda that would terrify the crap out of me yeah she was pretty terrified of her as well i mean you can't blame her right she would also smash wine bottles through the sliding glass door and the windows oh my gosh she did pretty crazy things yeah that's when daniel filed a restraining order against her to stay a thousand feet away from the house his car, and his workplace. Okay. And away from Linda as well. Betty violated this order uh, multiple times and continued to try to break the windows and smash into the house. On February of 1986, Daniel sold the family house against Betty's wishes. The thing is that when they separated, Daniel had his own house that he bought. The family house... They had it separately, and then he bought Betty her own house to keep during the divorce proceedings, Mm -hmm. and he bought her a $650,000 home. And at that time, can you imagine how much more that was? Yeah, and in La Jolla, a very, very bougie neighborhood. Right. And um, when she found out that he sold the family home, and at a price, against her wishes, first of all, he sold it for a lot less than she wanted, and... That's when he told her, get off the property or else I'm going to call the police because she started yelling at him and trying to attack him. Yeah. This is when she spiraled even further because she got into her Chevy 
and she ran her car into the front door of the house. Oh my god. <laughs> Crazy so, lady. She knew not only that Daniel was in the house, but that her children were in it as well. Daniel The anger and the craziness just took over and she's like, I don't give a crap about Yeah, she was just blinded by hatred rage. and rage. Yep. At this point, I think Kim, the oldest child, called the police. He went over into the car to try to get her out because she was just going crazy. She had grabbed a knife from under the seat oh my gosh. and was trying to attack him. He was able to get the knife away from her and tackle her. The police showed up and they uh, hauled her away in a straight jacket. Oh my God. <laughs> so, yeah. So she broke the restraining order too. So yeah, that's got to be in and his favor. For, also. Yeah. So she spent three days, 72 hours, in a um, mental institution. Uh-huh. The divorce actually took five years, Broderick versus Broderick, and it became known as the worst divorce case in San Diego County at the time. Oh, wow. So this was a pretty big deal, and because they were very popular and um, SoCal socialites, everyone was in on it. Yeah. Everyone knew what was going on. They were with probably Patty. the gossip of all the country clubs. Yep. Basically. Mm -hmm. And uh, 1989 was when the divorce was finalized. Betty claims that no lawyer could represent her because Daniel had influence on all of them, even though she hired and fired five different lawyers throughout the process. Oh my God. <laughs> she was very picky and eccentric. And um, yeah, a lot of lawyers did try to help her, but yeah. she was just cuckoo. <laughs> but maybe there was also like a little bit truth of what she said, because I'm sure... He did have certain ties with other attorneys and that sort of stuff. And he, he was did. one himself. So Yes. And then um, she would try to hire some of their friends, but most of their friends would go over to Daniel's side. Yeah. She lost a lot of her friends. Wow. Yeah. And the wives and spouses of all those lawyers as well. That Probably angered her even more. Yes. Yeah. yeah. As we mentioned before, Daniel got sole custody of the children. Uh, Betty had no formal visitation rights which angered her and saddened her even more. Yeah. She said that her children were everything, even though, you know, she wouldn't treat them very well. Right. It seems like it was all for show. Yeah. Which um, was another reason what uh, Daniel used against her. In Did the kids, like, ask at all to see their mom or... So the thing is that the two older daughters, uh, Kim and Lee, mm -hmm. they both were on Daniel's side, on their dad's side. Okay. And they were the older ones, and they understood what was going on. Probably remembered more. Remember more. So, yeah. um, the two young sons, uh, Daniel Jr. and Rhett, they were both mama's boys. They Aww. wanted to be with their mom badly, but... The dad wouldn't let them, and he said it was, she was too dangerous. Daniel was paying Betty $16,000 a month for alimony. Oh, my gosh. And on top of that, he had bought her that $650,000 house. Wow. So she wasn't struggling. But Daniel decided that because she kept leaving vulgar um, and crude messages on their voice machine uh, for everyone to hear, especially the kids... He decided to start deducting from her alimony every time she would do something like this. <laughs> Can he do that, though? Like He, for some, I tried to look up what the legality of all this was, and he just was able to find the tiniest little fine print things of, like, how to get this done and get his way. Wow. Which, it kind of sucks, but at the same time, I don't know. It's kind of like he was punishing Betty for just being insane yeah and you know 
he didn't want his children around her. Yeah. So one day he wrote her a letter saying that the fines he would charge her is $100 for every obscene word that she used. $250 was um, every time she hurt his property or tried to vandalize. Mm-hmm. $500 every time she tried to enter into his house to break in. Oh my God. And $1,000 taking a child, taking one of their kids without his permission, which she did, tried to do multiple times. Oh my God. So at the end of one of the months during all this, uh, she actually owed Daniel money. $1,300 for all the fines. So she went over that $16,000? Yeah. <laughs> she used negative $1,300. <laughs> I thought that was really funny. Um, she, um, let's see. So then on April 22nd, 1989, Daniel and Linda got married. And um, they got married at their mansion. They hired two armed security guards. Mm -hmm. Linda begged him to wear a bulletproof vest and he wouldn't do it. He's like, no, she's crazy, but she's not that crazy. Uh, Another reason why Linda wanted him to wear the vest is because there was rumors that Betty had bought a revolver. No one was actually sure about it or not, mm -hmm. but it was talk around the town. So she wanted to be extra safe. So Betty claims that um, Linda was constantly bothering her as well, that it wasn't just Betty doing this, trying to disrupt their marriage. She said that Linda sent them a photo of the couple together with the caption saying, eat your heart out. And <laughs> I mean, like, is it true? I wonder, like, did she really? Um, there was no proof. This yeah. is all hearsay. So we don't really know. Yeah. But one thing that I mean, was if confirmed, Linda did do that, though, that's pretty ballsy of her because knowing that this woman is already insane and yes. just doing something more to get her more angry. And the rumor of having a, a, a weapon. revolver. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, there was something confirmed by Kim, the oldest daughter, uh, later on in trial, saying that Linda refused to return Betty's wedding china back to her. Oh she God. kept it. Yeah, that's, spite. that's messed up. Yeah. They would do little things like that back and forth. Um, they would argue and at one point there was actually a recording on uh, during the trial that the lawyers used against her in which one of the sons I believe it was Daniel Jr. he picked up the phone in the middle of her leaving a message and said mom please stop doing this stop being mean to Linda stop calling dad names I'm begging you like please stop you're just making things worse and that is so sad. I know. It broke my heart. I, I believe he was around eight or nine at this time. Aww. So Betty did keep in contact with Rhett and Dan, the two young sons. Mm-hmm. They constantly uh, wanted to be with their mom. At the age of 18, Kim moved out of the house. And Lee, the second oldest daughter, she actually dropped out of high school. And uh, Daniel wrote her out of her, his will and kicked her out of the house as well. Oh my gosh. Yeah. There wasn't too much information on what really happened to her, but I believe she went to live with a family member. Oh, And then Kim was already out of the house. About seven months after the marriage of Daniel and Linda, Betty decided to show up at their house at 1041 Cypress Avenue on November 5th, 1989. Mm -hmm. It was five o'clock in the morning and she had with her a 38 caliber Smith & Wesson revolver. Rumors were true. Yes, the rumors were true. She actually broke into the house using her daughter Lee's key. When she reached the bedroom upstairs, both Linda and Daniel were asleep. She shot 
Linda first in the head, shot her then in the chest. She instantly died. This woke Daniel up and she shot him in the chest. And as he had turned to reach for the phone on the nightstand next Mm -hmm. to him, she shot him twice in the back. This isn't 100% accurate. We don't really know. But Betty did say in trial at some point that when he was reaching for the gun because he didn't die instantly, he was still alive. Um, she ran over to him. She pulled the phone cord out of the wall and he said to her, you won. You're, I'm, over, I'm done. It's over. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that's so awful yeah. if it's true. So after that, she left the house. She called her daughters, Lee and Kim, and told them what happened. She said that she wasn't sure if she killed them, but that she shot towards both of them in the dark. She pretended that she didn't know if she actually shot them or not. I can't even imagine getting that call. But how did she get the key from her daughter, uh, Lee? It's not 100% sure how, but I'm sure they had some type of, maybe she went to the house that she was staying in and uh, with a family member. And I believe that's when she stole the key from her. Oh, okay. And broken. And the two boys were in the house asleep? Probably. Yes, I believe so. I don't think she even remembered about them because yeah. she just immediately left. Uh, she turned herself in. Mm-hmm. They, the daughters convinced her that she needs to call the police and yeah. tell them what happened. So Linda was 28 years old when she was murdered. And Daniel, um, it was about to be his 45th birthday And it was two days shy of Betty's birthday. Linda and Daniel are buried together at the Greenwood Memorial Park Mm -hmm. up in La Jolla. One of Betty's lawyers, because she had multiple, at the first trial tried to represent her as, quote, a battered woman who had been pushed to the brink after years of verbal and emotional abuse. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) So she was trying to milk this as much as she possibly could. The prosecutor Carrie Wells, she portrayed Betty as a murderer who planned to kill her ex-husband and was the very opposite of a battered woman. Mm -hmm. She had been getting $16,000 a month in alimony, and she was living in a $650,000 home that the victim had bought her. Mm -hmm. She was a really good prosecutor. Also at this time, Betty had a boyfriend who treated her well. I couldn't really find his name. And she and Daniel were also in the middle of dealing with a custody battle of her two sons in which Daniel was about willing to give her custody of the two young kids so So it wasn't as if he was actually you know trying to keep the kids away from her fully and they were about to become coming into an agreement yeah and when she did this so it was like another reason of saying why 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 murder them you know they were this close to having the two boys back yeah and, you know, she had a nice little happy relationship with her boyfriend. It was like as if she was starting to move on, but then she just went back and yeah. committed these crimes. A very prestigious psychiatrist, Dr. Park Elliott Dietz, mm-hmm. he went on the stand against Betty. He stated that Betty suffered from dual personality disorders labeled narcissistic and histrionic. What is that? Histrionic personality disorder, mental health condition marked by unstable emotions a distorted self-image, and an overwhelming desire to be noticed. Well, that was, yeah, sounds exactly like (laughs) Batty Betty. Very Betty. He also stated that her behavior was characterized by wild exaggeration, petty vindictiveness, and homicidal rage. Wow, oh my God, the homicidal (laughs) homicidal rage. Um, I actually did like more of a deep dive about Betty uh, because they analyzed her 
when she was in prison uh-huh. and they went deeper into her mental state because mm-hmm. I wondered why when she was in that mental ward for three you know, days three days like what why was she released like what happened yeah then I saw that Dietz actually stated that unlike an insane or mentally ill person she controls the disorder the disorder does not control her Oh, shit. So she was pretty much in control of herself and her character and fooled the doctors, basically. Oh, my God. Until she killed her ex-husband and his new wife and then was diagnosed. (laughs) Crazy. He actually goes a little bit deeper about it and says that it's also characteristic of narcissism. Mm -hmm. Okay, so there's nine characteristics of or traits of narcissism. Uh If you have five out of the nine, you're considered a narcissist and you have a disorder. Okay. Guess how many traits Betty had? Nine. Yep. Yeah. All nine. Yeah. All nine. (laughs) Check, check, check. When I read this, I looked up what were the nine because I wanted to know. Grandiosity, excessive need for admiration, superficial and exploitive relationships, Lack of empathy, identity disturbance, difficulty with attachment and dependency, Mm -hmm. chronic feeling of emptiness and boredom, vulnerability to life transitions, and and risk of suicide attempts. Oh my gosh. So the last one about the suicide attempts, Betty on trial um, stated that the reason why she went to their house with the gun was because she was going to force Linda and Daniel to listen to her speak one last time before she killed herself so then why did she like do what she did though like she went in there and shot linda first and then went and got daniel like exactly in the middle of the night at their most vulnerable state yeah asleep yep and so that's you know the prosecutor totally just ruined that for her Mm -hmm. and there's an interview with oprah when she's in jail it was in 1992 Mm -hmm. where she stated that she was constantly telling daniel that she was going to kill herself that she would slit her wrists but she wouldn't actually hurt harm herself yeah she would use that as a way to get attention yeah maybe sympathy or something sympathy yep Mm -hmm. when i was reading up on these unfortunately it reminded me a lot of my ex really a lot of traits of narcissism yeah and i thought wow Betty and him would have gotten along with great. Or maybe they <laughs> I, I think have I know it. a few people who probably check at least seven of the nine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta stay away from those. I'm, I'm one. No, just kidding. No. <laughs> just kidding. No, definitely not you. <laughs> the first trial ended with a hung jury due to two jurors who held out for conviction of manslaughter mm-hmm. versus second degree murder. Okay. And um, the mistrial was declared. On the second trial, Betty was tried one year later with the same DA and the same prosecutor. Betty was convicted with two counts of second-degree murder, sentenced to two consecutive years of 15 years to life, plus two years of the illegal use of a firearm. So a total of 32 years to That's life. That's it for killing two people. Yep. Wait, what year was this that she was charged with that? 1991 okay yeah and then in january of 2010 she was a this was her first request for parole then she was denied the judge stated that it was denied because she did not show remorse and did not acknowledge any wrongdoing oh my gosh even to this day she's still being interviewed by um, reporters and journalists and she's been on multiple you know little videos especially now that they came out with that netflix show uh, Dirty John. 
There was a oh, yeah, yeah one. It, it was partly about Betty. There was an episode about um, Betty Broderick. This case has kind of been coming back up, back to light, yeah, and being revisited. And she still to this day claims that she didn't mean to kill them. That it was just a shot in the dark. And that she constantly just talks about all of the wrongdoings that Daniel and Linda did to her. Oh, my God. Victimizing herself still. So does she have like any um, relationship with like her two younger sons or even the older daughters? Like, do they go and visit her or talk to her or anything like that? So I'm not sure if they actually visit her, but um, I do know that the two sons are still in contact with her over the phone. They call, they write to her. The two oldest daughters are not. They refuse to speak with her. Uh, Kim especially, she's been on the Oprah show as well. Oh, okay. Her and Daniel actually went on uh, the day after Oprah interviewed Betty in okay. prison. Kim, she just basically shows how much uh, she despises her mother and mm-hmm. how much she misses her father and she misses Linda. While Daniel states, yes, I miss my father, but I miss my mother. Oh my gosh. Yeah. But it's really sad to see. I mean, they all lost their parents, basically. Yes. Because... Yes. She's locked away and they can't ever see their dad again. So she did try a second time to request parole in 2017, but was again denied. Uh, she won't be eligible again until January of 2032. Okay. So she's, uh, that's when she will be about 84 years old. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. And she's currently sitting in uh, the California Institution for Women in Chino, okay. California. That's basically it's gosh that is so <laughs> awful that's so in- like she hit the nine i'm still thinking about hitting nine out of nine yeah that, yeah she aced that test for sure <laughs> yeah those poor kids though i do feel really bad for the kids yeah. um if i were you i would check out that there's a two-part film called a woman scorned the lifetime one yeah okay it's on i like Amazon lifetime Prime. movies yeah <laughs> <laughs> They're pretty crazy, but they actually asked the children, Oprah asked the children how accurate like all of these stories are in these movies. And Kim was more uh, skeptical and she said that, you know, the main points were correct, okay. but it's hard to compress so many years into like a two hour film. Right. But um, she did say like basically, yeah, um, the the her mom was pretty well portrayed as mm-hmm. this psycho woman Mm -hmm. it's a two-part movie the second part is mostly about the trial and what happens afterwards yeah well that was the case of betty broderick aka angry betty Uh, rest in peace to daniel and linda you know although they weren't perfect they definitely did not deserve to be murdered so right yeah and for the next one i will be choosing another local san diego case and we appreciate everyone who takes the time to watch our videos yes thank you see you next time